understand the people and the why they, they do things and the how that they do things before you try to tell them to go in a completely different direction. Get to know the people. That's shepherd-hearted leadership. Welcome to the Shepherd-Hearted Leader Podcast, where we explore topics that help strengthen your ability to care for those under your leadership. Today, we're going to talk about It's Complicated, Marriage and Leading Together. You know, a husband and wife team sounds great in leading a business or a ministry, but it does have some complications. Lean into the conversation as we get real about leading together, how it affects the family and those working within the organization. Welcome to the Shepherd Hearted Podcast. And today we're going to talk about couples in ministry together, as well as couples in business together and life. And so let's start off with um, what are, what have you seen as in church leadership, some of the challenges that it com- that happens when spouses work together? Well, first of all, um, there's a whole world of challenges related to how families, how marriages get along. And then you throw the church into it. And it's a, uh, sometimes it's combustible. <laughs> sometimes it's beautiful. Um, so it's all over the map. And for you and I, when we started off in the ministry, um, way back in the day in a previous millennium, we had this opportunity to build a marriage. But I came on staff at a church uh, one month after we got married. You were working in the office at the church. And so... Um, we had our journey as we moved along trying to grapple with you and I. So what gets priority, what gets time, what gets conversation. So I've seen and observed while we were serving as young leaders, we saw a pastor and his wife who, when we started, they were in their 60s. And so they had gone through all the stages, all of the, all of the various uh, challenges, I assume, that we were going to face over the next 30 years of our life. And, um, and they seemed to really like each other and they loved each other. And so our first picture with regard to once we were married was Pastor and Shirley Denyas, Pastor Mark and Shirley Denyas. And um, what we saw in them were some priorities. We saw in them harmony in their relationship and it appeared to be harmony in the staff and harmony in the church. And uh, Shirley had her place. She was like, clear about what she was and what she wasn't. Um, she oversaw, how many ministries is Shirley like, oversee? She oversaw like 13 or 14 ministries in the church. And I remember she would say, I closed the door in my office and mind my own business. So she tried to really stay out of it. But I kind of circle back and remember another couple that we worked with in uh-huh. ministry that actually served as a bigger role model for me of what I didn't want to be. Mm. And so uh, when you were youth pastor and we were assistants, yeah. there's a little bit of tug and war between the pastor and his wife and who was in charge. Yeah. And that uh, that served as a, a model for me of things that I didn't want to be. Yeah. So we were underneath both. Yes. And I kind of, I'm the optimist. So I'm like, default to thinking about the good model, but you're right. There were people in our lives that were directly related, had a direct impact on us because the youth pastor was your boss. His wife thought she was your boss and thought that she was my boss because I was the assistant youth pastor. And so we observed some things that felt unhealthy uh, during that time grateful for the opportunity that we have. So it's not a knock against. We learned a lot of good things under yes, their leadership so as well. So many great things. In fact, we were talking about this weekend, the great things that we learned. 
However, there was an aspect that really made a mark on you. What was it? Well, it was just knowing my place in ministry. It could be really good. I could come alongside and be helpful or it could be harmful. And just being aware of how I interact with staff makes a difference. So when the wife interacts with staff, she was maybe unaware of how it came across. And so Mm -hmm. it made me a little bit more aware to the point where when you were in ministry as assistant youth pastor, it was easier for me to take some steps back because I didn't want to get into the her spotlight. So, you know, just making sure that we're not the sun that shines on the earth. And, yeah. 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 So she must have had insecurities in her that kind of exposed itself because I know clearly there was a point in time at which I was not speaking. I was in the hallway. Uh, I was not in front of everyone. But um, uh, I was accused by the wife of wanting her husband's job. And I (laughs) couldn't be further from the truth, didn't even think about it. And we went over to their house and I asked them both, uh, you know, we sat in their living room and I turned to the, my boss and and the husband and said, "Um, she thinks that I want your job. Do you think that? Because I'll quit if you want me to. And uh, he said, no, I don't think that. I said, then I'm okay. But there was an obvious tension uh, between how the pastor, the youth pastor's wife felt about us, and it created real uncertainty and really wasn't healthy underneath that um, later on. Um, and then, of course, that was a short season for us when we mm-hmm. look at the scope of all of our ministry, but it really had an, a big impact on you to the point that when I stepped out of being a youth pastor um, about nine years later, uh, and I moved to North Central, you, during those all those years, you kind of held back some things that I didn't even know about, um, desire to do things because you didn't want to be something. Yep. I didn't want to get in anyone else's spotlight because it was kind of a threatening. And if I'm going to be honest, I was probably insecure too, mm. not knowing how to stand up or, you know, be as clear as you were, you were able to go and say, hey, do you think I'm trying to take over? I'm like, yeah, let me just take a couple steps back. I don't need to do this really. But even at that same time, we were having kids. And so I was a young mom and Mm -hmm. I would watch how other pastors, wives, some would lean into their family and others would lean out like, I've got to do ministry too and not care as much about the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's you know, something that I watched where, you know, the husband back then, the youth pastor who was our boss, would take his kids home while his wife would go out and hang out with all the youth leaders. And I thought that was kind of confusing to me at times Mm -hmm. and going, how do we find this balance? Yeah. And I think that that exposes the tensions for those that are in pastoral positions. But I think it also happens with leaders of any level of of a church where um, we want to do ministry. Maybe both individuals feel called to do ministry but there's all these other expectations or responsibilities that we have, and somebody has to decide who does what. You brought up kids. So with kids, um, and what do you do with them in relationship to serving in the church or doing your ministry? In our case, what did you do? Well, I remember Pastor Benson, your mentor, had told us about a book that we should read that is called When Leaders Live Together, and it was by Larry and Debbie uh, Titus, and they had talked about how when leaders live together, it's strong personalities, and one person when it's like dancing. So one person takes a step forward, and the other person takes a step back. And I think 
as women, it's easy to go, okay, if I'm going to be the one to take a step back in this season to really take care of the kids, then that means you're taking a step forward. But that's only a season. It's just a, just a short time. And so I know nowadays it's not always the woman who takes a step back. But I think when you're looking at your family and your kids, kids aren't a burden. They're a blessing from the Lord. We know that. And so Anytime you're in business or any kind of leadership, someone's got to keep an eye on the kids. And it's both, but making sure that there's someone who's really primarily there. And that's the role I decided to take on. Yeah, and you really did. You owned it. You felt like the Lord had spoken to you about it. And then I just said, okay, I'm going to take my role. And I threw myself into work. And uh, as we added kids, you got to do less and less on the church side of things. So... At first, you were involved with everything. We led a, a, a small group together of teenagers, and then you were involved less frequently as we had one, then two, then three, then four kids, and um, so you were less connected. And then I was, my my public career was taking off, and our youth ministry was growing, and people would see you pushing the double st- stroller or <laughs> trying to corral kids, and I was a part of that. Um, what were the challenges like as you add, we added kids and my career took off and everybody talked about Pastor Nate? What did it feel like for you? Well, I mean, for sure, there's times I felt forgotten, you mm-hmm. know, where there is, you know, we would do JC's place. That was a ministry back in the day. And there'd be CDs back then, like mm-hmm. music, and it'd be dedicated to Pastor Nate. And it's like, well, it's not just Pastor Nate. It's mm-hmm. both of us, but really taking a back seat. So just, you know, I hate to say it like this, but kind of dying to self and going, well, mm-hmm. it's not about me. Anyhow, it's yeah. about God. Yeah. And I remember you would tell me, Jody, I can get youth leaders. I cannot get another wife. And so mm-hmm. that was like really the thing I'm like, I'm never going to get so desperate for a babysitter that I'm just having anybody watch my kids. Cause yeah. then you hear about all these crazy things that can happen to your kids. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's not going to be me. I'd rather be there and be with the kids. So yeah, there was times it was hard and other yeah. times it was great. So. And I think uh, from a general 30,000 foot view, looking backward, you took the brave, courageous step to sacrifice who you were and what maybe you could have done for something better, but it's not like it was lost forever. So, you know, I use the, the image of a, of a funnel. Um, in many ways, you chose to live in the restrictions of the narrow end of the funnel, but because you did, life got wider and wider later on. Yep. Some people choose to take on everything at the beginning and they want to do everything and they don't sacrifice those things and they start in the wide end and it gets more narrow and narrow. Maybe they lose their, their connection with the family or some of the things that they wanted to do and then it becomes more narrow at the end. So I think you have to choose what is Jesus saying, what cross is he asking you to pick up. We had to make choices as a couple. We had to think about what, what, who goes to camp, <laughs> who goes on this ministry trip. When kids are sick, who goes to church? Uh, all of those those various things that we had to make choices on during that time. And then later on, as the kids got older and they graduated from high school, then you were stepping into a different season, um, different part of your life. Nowadays, of course, back in when we were starting off in ministry, the overwhelming majority of people were couples and the guy was the forefront. 90% of everything was focused on the men. It was a man-dominated culture, if you will. 
Now, we didn't experience that totally. Like I described to you with, with Shirley Denius, she was a leader. We had female leaders on our staff. But for the most part, it was a guy culture. Then as time has gone on over the last few decades, there's a kind of a new new era where we've seen a lot of pastors and and leaders in ministry and that could be elders in a church or you know significant small group leaders in churches where the women want to be co and so there's a little bit more of co-pastoring co-leading that kind of thing and so we're watching as people are trying to find their own equilibrium, how to raise a family, how to have a marriage, how to do ministry together. What are your thoughts on some of that? Well, I think, you know, as we're like, who's going to go to church, who's not going to go to church, we always looked at who's on the payroll, like, yeah. and who's getting paid by the church to be there. What's my position, my staff position compared to yours? So there wasn't a whole lot of debate on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess when it when you think about leaders leading together, there's always going to be someone who makes the final call. Mm -hmm. And I think that can get really confusing when you don't know who's going to make the final call. And then I know of couples or actually staff who've talked about it where there's a a wife who maybe inserts or uh, into a ministry where she's not being paid to be the leader, but feels like she gets it pro bono because her spouse is Mm -hmm. um, stepping in and or arguing you know, mm-hmm. with decisions that they don't agree with in front of staff. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of things that I've seen where it plays out, where it can get really complicated, where there's confusion of who's in charge. So it's, yeah. you know, almost like your mom and dad yeah. in front of the staff. So I think that's... Yeah, when you use family language for church, it gets really dangerous when it comes to um, who's the manager, who's, who's the boss of staff. Um you know, if a church hires a pastor as as the supervisor for staff, for finances, for ministry and that kind of thing, but their spouse feels like they have the same authority, but it's not stated anywhere, then the people that work underneath that really are confused at times. Like, who am I working for? I don't want to get on her wrong side, that kind of thing. And then it could be an insecure thing. We don't want to avoid those conversations in our journey, we've observed it. So during the time that I worked at North Central, there were a number of, I mean, we saw all all over the map, um, marriage and ministry challenges. And uh, inevitably it fell into categories of of times that I would get pulled aside to speak with staff members of churches, of all sizes of churches. And they would vent because I was safe. I was Switzerland. I worked at North Central. They knew I was a vault. I would never share this information with anybody. Kept on uh, a podcast couple. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not even saying names now. So, you know, but uh, they would talk about their experience and how their loyalty was demanded mm-hmm. by the senior pastor and the senior pastor's spouse. And and uh, everything seemed bright and, and exciting at the beginning, but then as time wore on, the staff went up and down the emotion of the spouse. So the spouse would be fully engaged and then the fully pull out and, and it felt like whiplash or there was a bit of uncertainty about how to respond and it wasn't clear. And I think clarity about roles and even for, from a senior leader perspective, 
for us, we've got to know our own limitations, what mm-hmm. lane we should be in to not step over other people's lanes. And the larger the staff, the more opportunity to have opinions. We care about the church sometimes more than anyone, it feels like. But we can disrespect somebody if we step over their the chain of command, if you will, and speak into something um, without talking to that individual. And so being clear about lines of authority is a big deal, knowing what place we play. And everyone knows, Jody, like even in our situation, that at the end of the day, we've gone through a bunch of meetings and you still got me. <laughs> right? So I'm the lead pastor, but as we go home, you still have influence. Um, you still have the capacity to speak your mind. And we've that's created tension mm-hmm. for us on uh, boundaries even in the home. So what if we talked a little bit about how we've managed that uh, in our own story, and uh, especially probably the last 10 years since we started as the lead pastors at Emmanuel, what, how we handled it without becoming bad shepherds. You know, we're talking about being shepherd-hearted leaders, so we don't want the, the natural challenges of, of marriage, of life, identity, your role, my role, the church, our kids. We don't want that to... Um, to cause an unsafe environment for the sheep that we lead. Mm-hmm. So we want we want to create a healthy environment for the flock. Um, let's talk through some of those those things that we've had to work on. And uh, you've been really good at this. So uh, in this particular episode, I feel like I'm going to interview you a little bit more than you interviewed me. Um, looking back, what have we learned in the last 10 years? Uh, we learned that they say you can have a 10-year business meeting or you can have a 10-year marriage. And so mm-hmm. taking those times to go, wait, are we checking back into business right now mm-hmm. in our evening? Or are we going to actually just be married and enjoy life and the family and the kids and all that? So really putting a time limit and a mm-hmm. time where we're not going to talk work or church anymore. Oh. So usually it's 530 or, yeah. you know, six, maybe 5.30 or six. Yeah. And then if we want to bring up something, it's like, do I have permission to quickly ask you this question? Or if I, if I jump in and start talking, you're like, are we going to go into business right now? Or did, and so just being able to talk about those yeah. boundaries, that's been super duper helpful. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is just knowing my role and your role. I mean, we have complementary gifts where you're the leader. I'm a person who likes to execute, but knowing in this season, it's not good for me to be an executor for your vision on all fronts to mm-hmm. the church. And uh, I think we've seen that the co-leader or even the executive pastor's wife where God bless you, some people can do it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that we've chosen to do. Uh, it just gives me a little bit more option if I, Right now, currently, I'm a staff position at church, and it gives me options if I want to take time off or go part-time or full-time or whatever the needs of the church are at the moment without having to be in charge. Um, But then also being able to have real conversations when I know, like for me, I'm like, I'm just Jody. I like to collaborate. I see myself as an equal with everybody, and I, I really do value your opinions. I'm not really trying to tell you what to do and going, that may not always be how they see it mm-hmm. or see me. And so being able to take two steps back, take the input, say, no, I'm not a decision maker on this. Mm. I have an equal voice at the table on this issue. Uh, and then just being mindful that I can say that, but then if I come home and try to sway you with a different opinion, then that's not being truthful either. So. Mm. 
those are some of the things that I've worked on. Yeah, I think those boundaries are big and they have to be revisited over time. Um, you know, when you work together, uh, do you want that work to extend into your home life in the house? And the, and then, especially as you're raising kids, there's other vo- other people there. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the kids and how the kids perceived it over that, that transition into being pastor's kids. Well, I would say... When when we came back from North Central to Emmanuel, I really did want to be all in. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, I would probably have said, I wa- would love to have been your equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that probably wasn't the best idea or choice. So maybe I was too passionate to throwing myself in when the kids were little. And they would go, hey, you know, they didn't care about the church as much as we did. Mm-hmm. Like they loved God and stuff, but they depends on which kid, you know, yeah. they would go, that's your job. And yeah. so... Being able to take some steps back and realize, you know, they want to have just like a normal family. You know, there's times that if you're in a spot, whether it's a business or a ministry, you can get recognized everywhere you go. People know you and that's not always fun for the kids. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to find places to take steps back is a big deal. Yeah, they viewed it as robbing their time. You know, we go to the store and People, good-hearted people would stop us and go, hey, Pastor Nate, Jody, and they would want to talk to us, and we want to give them time, but our kids would be right there in that moment overlooked and felt a sense of resentment that the job was stopping them from having mom and dad. So we had to create spaces for our kids, um, and they do have their own journey because when we stepped in as in ministry, it changed their life. Other people were watching them differently. Uh, they observed every little thing our kids did. They don't get away with nothing. Everybody knows what the pastor's kid is doing. And and then often they wouldn't necessarily verbalize that to me. They would verbalize it to you, though. Mm-hmm. So they would work on you. So you had the extra measure of weight of the kid's frustration come in your direction and they didn't come mine all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you handle that? I prayed and I talked to you about it probably a lot. Maybe wore you out more than it should have or maybe more than you wanted it to. But yeah. be like, hey, you know, the house is on fire. Trying to get your get your attention to look their way sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. It's challenging at times. Yeah, yeah. We would have busier seasons than others. I remember I was finishing my doctorate. And we were doing a capital campaign, and we added an additional campus. I was say, doing and pie you, meetings. You did all that. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to take the blame Let's for all of that. We. That's good. Uh, I had to own my own stuff, yeah. which is a good point, um, and not say it was us um, that I caused some greater tension on the family and maybe on you during that time. And that's going to happen in leadership. There's going to be things that happen that intentionally or unintentionally put stress on a marriage. So busy seasons do lots of extra stuff. Um, When I'm busy, I need an outlet. And if I don't have one, I check out. And, uh, and that would frustrate you. So if I was stressed out at work and then had meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, and maybe there's a couple confrontations in there, maybe some information about budget issues or whatever else. And then I would come home and you would say to me something like, so how was your day? <laughs> and I would go, it was okay. 
And you would want details, not because you wanted all the details, but you wanted to be close to my heart. And I didn't feel like I knew how to, I didn't want to go back and revisit all of those things that stress me out. <laughs> and so we've also had to learn in our marriage how to appreciate the differences in each other. Like, you know, I remember one point you said, uh, uh, you were just talking about something over and over and you wanted to bring it up. And I'm like, the more you talk, the more stressed out I get. And you said, that's funny, because the more I talk, the more peace I feel. <laughs> so like even that, we were like opposites. Uh, and so I have had to learn to create spaces for you to process externally. And you're more of an external processor and I'm more of an internal processor. And you've also given me space. So like when I come home, you'll give me space to, to deal with kind of that, that transition out of work into family. Um, we tr we've done things that during the day and during the week that we do, we'll take off for, for lunch together um, and or we'll go get you something from Taco Bell or wherever you I like to eat. I don't tell people my secrets. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better habits. And, uh, and, and we, would, we would deal with those things. So all of that is background stuff. Finances can have pressure on a marriage, in ministry, talk yeah, about I'd that a little. Yeah, I'd say in ministry for sure, because a lot of times ministers may look for other opportunities or take on other opportunities to yeah. help supplement their income, and then that can add more stress to the family. I remember a mentor said this to us, that when both of us have very full plates, when we're both super committed and have a lot going on, when one leaves, it's like taking half your plate and giving it to the other person who already has a very full plate. Yeah. And so that can really complicate things. When Especially like in the era when I would travel. Yes. So you're speaking of when well, I'd be gone, my full plate would land on yours yep. with the kids and the responsibilities at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just being able to figure that, figure all that out. So we talked about some of our early lessons. How has the church handled pastor's wife and the leadership and husband as it well has it handled it well? And what are there opportunities where the church can grow? Sure. So here are my thoughts on it. And uh, you can interrupt if you want to <laughs> along the way. But in general, so we take all the things that we were just talking about that are normal family dynamics, adding on some of the church elements. But in general, churches are planted in cultures. They're pl all over the world. And within the city, the societal cultures, not just church culture, but there are all different ways of family and how, um, and how men and women are involved in leadership roles and how they're uh, encouraged to participate, the types of things that get a go, a yes, and the type of things that don't get a yes. And so um, churches over time have somewhat morphed with the various cities and cultures that you go to. Um, we were just in Israel recently and and within Israel, there's a different dynamic of culture and its impact of society and what's okay and what's not okay. Minnesota tends to be very different than <laughs> me growing up in Michigan. And even the fact that you grew up in Minnesota and I mostly grew up in Michigan, there's some culture clashes. The churches tend to take on both some of the, the backdrop of the culture around them, the culture they're raised in, as well as religious or church tradition culture. And so, um, uh, and all of that is shaped by the leader or shaped by the group of leaders over time. 
So the newer churches, for example, a church plant, they tend to have a new culture being established. It doesn't mean it's solidified yet, but however, a church planner starts the church. They, the people that go to that church like that culture. They like what they're allowed to do. They like how women are used or men are used in ministry, their opportunities. And so that, that becomes the norm. Uh, as time moves on, um, the type of people that want to stay in that church are the ones that like that type of culture. They're the ones that don't end up going somewhere else. Um, in our case, we came into a, a church that... Um, a month and a half after we started as lead pastors, uh, we celebrated our 50th church anniversary or birthday. And so uh, that meant that there were 50 years before us of what's okay and what's not okay in church. And I can remember we would pull out like videos of our kids' child dedication at Emmanuel. And back in the day, uh, we'd come up, Pastor Denya's had dedicated our kids. But what did everybody dress like back everybody then? Everybody wore dresses and suits. Yeah. 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 That was so the the culture said this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, at that time we had a female worship pastor. So women were celebrated or allowed to do ministry in our church during that time. So it wasn't like all male, um, but it had some of the religious traditional backdrop to it that has an impact on. Um, men and women in ministry. And so, so that's, that's a big deal. Um, and then I think there are also, there's an emerging new reality in the last 30, 40 years. And this is not just within the church, but it's in general society where women want to be able to take leadership. And so you'll see CEOs and CFOs and companies, um, leadership positions all over uh, business and and uh, and education and philanthropic areas, and so you'll see all of the women more involved. And it doesn't mean that men are not involved, but they're when we started, it was almost all men that were dominant in that position. And so they they were the ones that were spotlighted and they were the ones that were um, visible. Now it's kind of shifted. And I say the same thing is happening in the church world. Um, we see many more. It wasn't just the, the guy that was called in the ministry, let's say. Now it's also the woman that feels that same way. Doesn't mean everyone is that way, but you see more of it um, happening. You see um, more um, um, leadership, prominent positionally, uh, doing those kind of things. And I, I think that I think we've seen that develop. And when you come into a church that has an old culture of whatever it was, it was good. Tradition's not bad. There's values attached to it. And then you want to move toward a new one. It takes time to get you to walk through that step or you lose all the people that hugged the old culture because you're wanting to establish a brand new one. And one of the things that pastors do that make that's a mistake, in my opinion, is they try to make too quick of a transition and they don't bring three people through change. Mm-hmm. Um, we stepped into a scenario where uh, um, the founding pastors had led for 43 years. Then um, the next pastors, who was his son, um, led for seven and they were in a bridge season. So some of the things that were involved in our time when we were the youth pastor were no longer a part of the culture of the church during that seven to 10 year absence when we were not pastoring at Emmanuel. 
And um, so when we came back in, we were like, well, what do you want to do? That was the question. Jody, what are you going to do in ministry? And yet, and there were desires and things inside of your heart that you wanted to lead. You wanted to do it together differently than what we did as youth pastors. And I desired that, but I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't know how to lead the people through that because we needed to get in and understand how things were working now and then transition it over time. And so, and I would say that would be wisdom for anyone that inherits a church or a leadership role or a department or you're volunteering in something. Understand the people and the why that they do things and the how that they do things before you try to tell them to go in a completely different direction. Get to know the people. That's shepherd-hearted leadership. Mm -hmm. Shepherding the people where they're at. Um, If you don't, then you lose them really quick. So I see those challenges. Then it's a question of, um, do you feel called to preach? Do you feel called to speak? How much do you want to lead? The church hired me as a lead pastor but they're also allowing me to lead the way I want to so I can make room for you. And uh, how do I do that? So like um, I've met with Pastor Benson, uh, my mentor, pastor mentor uh, for the last 10 years, once a month on Zoom. And and we'll discuss various aspects of my leadership. But early on, especially, I, I really was grappling with the question, how do I help Jody? realize her calling and what does that look like in our ministry in the context of a group of people that haven't had the senior pastor's wife in a visible spot for many years. So we we took it slow. We tried to figure out over time. Uh, we did some things like uh, I had you speak Mother's Day. And, it's a uh, rough beginning. No, it wasn't. You did really good. I remember I said, Jody's going to preach today. She says, no, I share. Yeah. Uh, but that was a pivotal moment because I was creating space. There were things that I could do t- to give you opportunity or platform um, that re- required me taking those steps. And then we've done other things over time when you came on staff um, and I've tried to make room. And all the backdrop of it, we realize, and this is a big dream for me, um, is that we want the next generation all of the next generation, all our sons and daughters to feel like they can fulfill the call of God on their life, that you didn't have to be a male to fulfill the call of God, that you didn't have to be a certain gift set, but that there are opportunities. Of course, Acts says that, and quoting from Joel, Peter says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, Mm -hmm. young and old, men and women, boys and girls, if you will. Um, And so there's a sense of of the calling released and we needed to move some of the wineskins over time so that people could dream of being what they wanted to be. And, you know, everything from, we've got a youth pastor, Pastor Allie, who's um, the youth pastor in our Spring Lake Park location. Um, She's a phenomenal communicator and speaker. The fact that she can speak and we've had her share on on a Sunday morning you had to be the, you were the tip of the spear. You made a way. And when you spoke, Jody, you made a way for so many other young women in our church to say, I can do that, or I can be involved with that, or I could lead. And I know you have a heart for that and and women and girls and women in leadership. Um, and we're our way, my way, if you will, 
is not just to make a decision and say, well, everybody buck up and take it. This is how we're going to do things now, but to lead people through a process where they can see a different model, they can see themselves in a different light, and then they could become who God has designed them to be. That's good. Uh, I think about uh, just some of our thoughts that we could give to young leaders who are learning how to be in ministry with their spouse today. Uh, I look back at my own life, and I think there were times that I put pressure on you to wake to make a way for me. Mm. And maybe there wasn't a way to make a way for me. Mm. And that could create some tension. But maybe some of those ideas of what I I had the Lord stirring in my heart, but then also the pressure of social media mm. of going to be successful, it should look like that. Mm. So I, I, I hope I can have an opportunity for that. And then leaning in and going, I have to steward what God's given me. So the opportunities that he's given me, I steward those well and let God open the doors for me. I think that was a big revelation that came to me that I'm like, I put more pressure on you to open the doors than that was fair. When really there was things that God was working in on me and it took time and it took me humbling myself and dying to my own desires and really surrendering to God. And uh, just knowing that I have to be faithful with the opportunities that God gives me. And then he's the one who opens the door, not you do, but it's him that will do it. It's really good. It's really good. And when you would put pressure on. It didn't work. And it really was hard on me. Stressful for you. Like I was really trying, but I didn't know what else to do. And I felt like I wasn't pleasing you. And I had my own issues with people pleasing. So that was a tension between me and God too. Yeah. So I remember one time dropping the kids off at school, praying in the parking lot. And I was just like, God, I surrender. It was another ministry dream. You know, I'm like, I surrender. I surrender to you. And right at that moment, a friend from a whole nother state who I never talked to texted me and said, just want you to know that the Lord's thinking about you today. And I'm like, okay, God really sees. And so I think in our own journey, in our own hearts, being able to walk through the process and the calling that God has for us, because there's different seasons. I had the season of little feet, little sleep, little money when the kids were little, but God was working in me during that time. Like learned a lot about the father's love through kids when you're not getting sleep and they're not Mm. always listening to you and you learn, okay, God loves me. Like I love these kids. And then that season can feel like it lasts forever, but it's not. And when it's over, it's over. And I didn't want to look back and have any regrets. And so now being in this season, it's completely different because I don't have the responsibilities of having young kids. And I do have more opportunity to minister, but it doesn't maybe look the way it looks to other people on social media. You know, Mm -hmm. you just walk through the doors that God opens and there's a whole lot of joy in knowing that this is where God has me, not where I have me. It's really good. And I think there's the, the tender part in the marriage is to be thinking about each other and our prayer life and our time, not just our desires. Those are important and they're important to communicate because I won't, I can't read your mind. <laughs> like you got to share some of those things, but you also have a grace toward me uh, to how I lead and how we get there. And um, that's the tension. That's the we lay it before Jesus. I would say the similarities for us with any couple that's in ministry, um, and that doesn't mean just paid ministry. That 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 could include, hey, we we really feel called to invest in 
in kids ministry or youth ministry or uh, we're doing things within a church. Um, I know that there'll be a number of people from Emmanuel that are on our, our team Emmanuel side of things and they're they're grappling with, uh, they went through growth track and they discovered God's gift on their life and they want to make the most of that. They want to live their life with purpose, both in the career and the world outside, but also in conjunction with the church. And I would say your challenge is actually the same as our challenge. Um, if, if you can say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to be faithful to what you've called us to do. And I want to do it together, even if we have different responsibilities and roles. And we pray together for the sheep. So that was one thing that I would say that has been a big principle for us is to remember it wasn't about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. And even our cares and our burdens and our concerns are things that take us off um, or going on. We got, we got to take it back to the Lord. And when we've prayed and said, Lord, you called us to Emmanuel. This is your church. This is your ministry, not ours. We're willing to accept whatever role from whatever position that we're in, i.e. John the Baptist that was able to say, um, it, you know, I've got to decrease so that he can increase. We're willing to do that. We're also willing to embrace the responsibility of the things he has called us to do. Mm-hmm. So you've embraced the, the assignments that you've had at Emmanuel over the last 10 years, and so have I, and we're going to continue to do that. And our commitment is that while we do that, we're not going to love the ministry more than we love each other. We're going to love each other, keep our ministry, our marriage going, and, and, and invest in one another. But then together, we're going to do ministry, and we're going to have allowances for one another for the seasons and the times that we're in. That's really the dream. And this kingdom is bigger than ours. It, we don't own it. At some point, we'll hand off the keys to somebody else. We're interim pastors. But while we're pastoring, we're going to be everything God has called us to be. And we're, we're going to care about our sheep. We're going to mm-hmm. care about them. The first sheep that we care about is our own kids yep. and our grandkids. And that's what I would say to young couples who are trying to do ministry, whether it's a husband in ministry or the wife in ministry, really, or both. Just keeping an eye on the kids and having a good solution that's safe for the kids, that the kids feel like they're still loved and valued and they're taken care of and they're not going to hate the church or ministry because they will they could equate God to some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and then knowing that there's seasons for everything and think about it as a dance where sometimes one takes a step forward, the other takes a step back, mm-hmm. but you're in rhythm together and yeah. that makes a big world of difference. Yeah, you'll say to me sometimes, hey... I'm on, the, I'm on your team. I'm on the same team. Like if I feel like insecure, you're asking questions about things and you can sense me getting a little skittish or whatever. You go, hey, I'm asking because I'm on the same team. Yep. And remembering that, that's a big deal. Is there anything else that you want to say? No, there's so we... much we could go, you know, down tributaries on. That I just think the goal has got to be to keep your heart pure for the long term, to not get caught up in short-term wins and lose your family. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So we don't want to lose our marriage and we don't want to lose our family. We don't want to lose the scent of who we are. We're not big shots. We're underneath the big shot. We're underneath the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And whatever he assigns us to do, we're willing to take it on. And we do it with shepherd hearts. We think about the people God has called us to lead. We're grateful for them. And even when the sheep bite our hands, even when they 
try to put pressure on us. We're not going to follow the pain or the the accusation or the hurt or the wounds. We're going to keep shepherding and loving people together. And if we can stay pure-hearted in that, I think that there will be health underneath us. Well, why don't we just have you quick pray us out? Yeah. Pray for the couples that are listening. And uh... yeah, Father, we just come before you, and um, we are grateful that you are in heaven and we honor your name and we thank you that you see the whole chessboard. You see our lives and not just in this moment, but you see where things are going. And I thank you, Father, that you know what's best for us, for those that are in marriage. They're married and, uh, and they're doing ministry. I just ask, Lord, that you would stir the the love flame, uh, fan it into flame. Uh, remember their first love. I pray, God, that, Lord, it would remain pure and true. And if there's been things that have happened along the way that have made them jaded or um, there's church hurt or whatever phrases that are going around, I just ask, God, that your grace would be sufficient, that you'd come in and fill the gaps of those things that aren't and help them to trust again, trust each other again, trust others again, trust you again. And then we pray, Lord, that you would give us the capacity to have families that love you and serve, and that we wouldn't have to lose our kids while we serve you. We wouldn't have to lose our marriage while we serve you. And we wouldn't lose our identity while we serve you. But Lord, that you would help us to make room for your kingdom to come and your will be, be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, Lord, that there would be a movement, uh, uh, an awakening, a, an excitement, an anticipation about the future. And that, Lord, that you would enable us to be healthy leaders, healthy marriages and a healthy church. And if we're, we're doing ministry and there are people underneath us in the chain of command, I pray, God, that they would sense safety and it would be healthy and that you'd help us to lead in a healthy way. And then we pray, oh, God, that you would... You would take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good. There are things that have been done wrong, but teach us new ways. Give us new pathways. Give us new models, people to follow. And I pray, God, that at the end of the day, when we're all done, you would say, well done, good and faithful servant, and that you would share your joy with us and that your joy would be our strength. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new to our podcast, I encourage you to follow and subscribe. If this episode ministered to you, share the podcast with others. And as always, we love hearing from you. Until next time, keep leading well. Thank you.